0: Today, developers Bungie are best known for the blockbuster Halo series, and more recently for the Destiny games. And while the studio changed first-person shooters forever, first on the Mac and then on consoles, none of their later successes would have been possible without their earlier work in a different genre altogether. It was the success of their pioneering real-time tactics game Myth the Fallen Lords, which in part prompted Microsoft to purchase Bungie, and to help propel Halo to industry-shaking success in 2001. Myth was ahead of its time. Its 3D environments were some of the first in the genre, and Bungie's work helped to forge a new style of gameplay. They cut away the base building, resource management, and large unit counts that defined Command & Conquer and Total Annihilation. Myth isn't a strategy title at all, but part of the first wave of real-time tactics games. It does more than make players think, it makes them feel. Thanks to a unique union of writing and gameplay, each of Myth's missions inspires feelings of desperation, terror, relief, and hopefully triumph. 25 years later, it's the emotional impact of Myth which makes it special to this day. Myth is set in a medieval fantasy world, which at first glance might seem tiresomely familiar. War has raged for 17 years between the upstanding forces of light and the shambling undead armies of the dark. But very quickly, Bungie transcends this Tolkienesque setup. Much of this is to do with the unforgettable pre-mission briefings. They comprise the entries in a war journal written by an anonymous soldier of the Legion, the elite vanguard of the Army of the Light. Voiced by Geoffrey Charlton Perrin, the soldier is a sombre figure who sees his world falling apart as he narrowly survives one gruesome battle after another. It's hard to overstate how richly evocative the briefings are. Bungie's writers expertly deployed indirect exposition, mentioning key figures, locations and historical events naturalistically in passing, rather than resorting to the usual clunky info dumps. When the soldier refers to figures like Ulrich, Shiver and the Deceiver, or locations like Bagrada, the Cloudspine, or the City of Covenant. They take on real mythic proportions. The world building is all the more powerful because it draws on our imagination.
1: Monday, September 15th, outskirts of Tier. The battle for Madrigal lasted four days without pause. Shiver fell on the first night in a spectacular dream duel with Rabican, one of the Nine. No one expected this. We have never before challenged one of the Fallen and won. But the truth behind the victory is stranger than any of the rumors. Apparently the Nine found the severed head of one of Balor's enemies from the old days, buried out in the desert under several tons of sand and rock, and managed to start talking to the Thing. Balor is the power behind the Fallen Lords, and we figure his enemy is our friend. They say that the head had an old score to settle with Shiva, and told Rabicum that her one weakness was vanity, and showed him how to exploit it. The head appears to know something about everything, and now it has us looking for an artifact called the Total Codex. It's been located in the ruined city of Covenant, but the first group sent to retrieve it has not returned. The
0: briefings make clear that even at the outset of the story, The civilized world teeters on the brink of destruction. The seemingly impossible odds are reflected in the gameplay. The Legion is constantly outnumbered and so myth gives players control over only small numbers of units. Troops are precious and reinforcements are vanishingly rare. Individual units even have personal names to hammer home the fact that they are unique and irreplaceable. Lose another warrior and lose the bridge. Lose the bridge? And civilization itself could fall. Like the later Populist the Beginning, myth provides players with only a handful of distinct unit types. This makes it simpler to learn their relative strengths and weaknesses and aids in the micromanagement of engagements. Warriors and bare chested berserks are straightforward, but fragile archers must be positioned with care and the journeyman's healing ability used sparingly. Any myth veteran will remember the notorious Dwarves, whose thrown explosives and satchel charges can be as devastating to their own allies as they are to formations of rotting thralls. The narrator speaks of sorcery and magic artefacts with a hushed reverence, and admits that few people in Myth's world understand these forces. He refers to the exploits of heroes from ages past, like the indomitable Conort, who defeated a previous Rising of the Dark. Within the missions themselves, Stronger foes inspire a real awe and terror. Enemy armies sometimes include fetches, fragile entities that wear stolen human skin and real lightning that blows hardened soldiers apart in the blink of an eye. Trows are mountains of flesh which decapitate men with a whip-like kick. Finding a way to crush these menaces, especially while taking minimal casualties, is where myth really sings, and where its fiction and gameplay come together perfectly. There's really no victory, like a victory in myth. There are some barriers to entry for Bungie's tactical classic. The muddy graphics of the 3D environments, the slightly confusing objectives, and the awkward control scheme all take some getting used to. But this is to be expected of a game with such a long history. In some missions it can feel like the route to success is too prescriptive, but the long struggle against the dark is punctuated with more memorable moments than almost any other strategy or tactics game. 25 years on, Myth The Fallen Lords feels unique and surprisingly fresh. It's a little played milestone not only in the history of its developers, but also of a whole genre which deserves to be revived. As per usual, here's a few extra tidbits of information to finish up with. Firstly, Myth is not available for purchase on any download service. However, should you be able to acquire it or its first sequel, Project Magma offers updates to help make them playable on modern PCs. You can download that at projectmagma.net. It's long been stated that the Black Company series of dark fantasy novels by American author Glenn Cook was a major influence on the writing of Myth. This seems almost certain, as there are numerous similarities. A really useful resource full of information about all of the Myth games can be found at myth.bungie.org. Bungie developed one sequel, Myth 2 Soul Blighter, which was released in 1998. Set 60 years after the original, it involves the return of one of the fallen lords. A third game, Myth 3 The Wolf Age, was released in 2001 and developed by Mumbo Jumbo. The staff who completed it were promptly sacked on the day of its release. A prequel set a thousand years before the Fallen Lords, it's unique in this series in that its graphics are fully 3D. Finally, later Bungie games have numerous connections to and references to the Myth games. The plaintive piano piece The Siege of Madrigal can be heard as part of an Easter egg in every one of the Halo games developed by Bungie. A city called Covenant is mentioned in Myth, this name was of course reused for the malevolent alien empire in Halo. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can find more of my writing in text and audio form at my site, andyjohnson.xyz. You can also find me on Twitter at andyjohnsonuk, and you can support me at patreon.com andyjohnson. Catch you next time.